creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQALFM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we take a stroll, or walk rather, through some local history with part three of the 2023 Voices of the Past Cemetery Walk. The Cemetery Walk is presented by the Winona County Historical Society, and this year's theme is Made in Winona. We'll get to hear stories of Winona's past from names such as Hannibal Choate, Emily Goltz, and Otto Brightlow on everything from dressmakers to druggists and undertakers to beer makers, or brewmeisters, or masters, I suppose. At any rate, grab yourself your favorite beverage, kick back, and get ready for some good old Winona history. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and this is part three of the 2023 Voices of the Past Cemetery Walk, made in Winona, on today's Culture Click.
That was my idea. This book is just chock full of maps and pictures and charts and graphs. It really is a breeze to read it. It makes it a lot of fun, too. Did you, read, did you write anything else besides the Minnesota book? Well, after I wrote that book, I met my husband, Henry Gott, and together we created a publishing company. And we sold hundreds of textbooks and maps and graphs and all that all over the United States. So, ooh, my aching back. Oh, geez, this Hilly Cemetery. Or, and that big stuff you Well, there you go. <laughs> And I designed this chair. Ergonomic design is all about using the, you know, the shape and the form of the body, along with how the body moves, to design things that just make things feel more comfortable. Ooh, goodness. Well, it is comfortable, I'll tell you that. Like so. so, in like any good design, it, it, it served a need. You know, this chair is called, this is like my, uh, my original chair, it's called the Ergon chair. Uh, it received many, many awards throughout the years. Uh, and in fact, it's also uh, displayed at the Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Oh my gosh, you're an artist then. Well, not so much an artist, but I did have to use the, like, the form of the back, the curve in the back, the length of the arms, the width of the hip, uh, and also like the length of the, the legs. Ooh, oh, that's good. Yeah. I can touch the ground. Very go. good. There. Wow. Yeah. So everything fits nicely for you. That's good. So, so what else uh, did you? Um, I, I I guess there must be something about the way you built this. Well, it is. It's all about invention. It's all about as is any kind of design. It's all about uh, meeting a, a need, solving a problem, meeting a need. And one thing I thought is that desk workers shouldn't feel more tired at the end of the day than when they drag themselves in in the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. So that's probably why your invention made it to the uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York City, and the pet rock didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and also the same reason why uh, what you did to create textbooks with so much more information than just text, putting in maps and charts and graphs, is still done today because of the work that you did. You know, Winona has a, has a long and rich history of inventors uh, here in this town. Why, if it wasn't for a Winona inventor, people would still be falling to their death in elevators. You see, even though we know that a guy named Eliza Otis uh, made the first uh, safety elevator uh, back in the 1850s, which was a great invention because that kept up, if this is the elevator, if the, uh, if the cables, the hoisting cables were to snap, the cab wouldn't fall all the way down and kill the people in the elevator. He had latches underneath there. But still, back in those times, when he had made his Otis elevator, the doors were open manually. Someone who wasn't thinking straight <laughs> could uh, open up that door, and if he wasn't, he, if he thought that the elevator was there, but it wasn't, he would step into his oblivion. I guess that's a mistake he wouldn't make twice on. Huh? <laughs> 
that's what the inventor, Alexander Miles, wanted to prevent from the get-go. He invented the safety elevator doors in 1874. Now, his idea was very simple. Here's the elevator going up and down, and here's the floor level. It stays the same. If the elevator comes up the same level, the door is open. If it's a little bit too high, it doesn't open. A little bit too low, it doesn't open. If it's not there at all, the doors don't open. <laughs> Imagine all the lives that we can save. That reminds me of another inventor. Well, he's not really an inventor. It's someone who invented a marketing concept called the money back guarantee. Who was that? J.R. Watkins. He, uh, he was probably best known for the company that bears his name, J.R. Watkins. But he also, probably his most important invention was the trial mark. Now, the trial mark was something, in those days they had um, glass bottles, and it was embedded in the glass about one third of the way down. Wait a second, well, I was digging pushing around the dirt here, and I didn't find this bottle. Oh, oh, no! Oh, that's, I think that's, that's it! Watkins that's bottle. it! It says Watkins on it, and here is the trial mark. How about that? You'll have to lend that to the. Uh, no, it's too precious, and I think Andy wouldn't like it if this thing were. No, okay, I'll be very careful. <laughs> but anyway, what he did was so he got the trial mark, and what he did is he told his customers that if they didn't use the product past that mark and say they weren't dissatisfied, uh, then they would get a full refund. See, he was. Uh, Jerry Watkins was uh, quite the incredible manufacturer, but even more than that, he was a great salesman. And he really had to gain the trust of his customers. And also, if he wanted to uh, have a few more purchases, they, they, they needed to be assured that if they were dissatisfied, they would get their money back. Oh, and speaking of bats, ooh, ooh, my bats are a lot better. Oh my gosh. Call <laughs> oh, me a satisfied customer. <laughs> That's great, Eugenie, because you know, for an invention or a design to endure through time, it has to satisfy its customers. Absolutely. And we hope we've been satisfied. which is, uh, build it and they will come, and that's first lifted from a movie that a lot of us are aware of. Uh, I know that my good friend John Brandt is confused right now because he's thinking there's supposed to be nine sites, not only eight, because he's probably already forgotten that we already did site nine. <laughs> he's also one of the ones from our generation that liked King Fury Bear. So, so site eight, building materials. Good evening, everyone. My name is Cynthia Salisbury Bizot, and this is my daughter, Mary. My husband, Philip, and I were married in 1869, a few years after he moved here to Winona. He had served in the Union Cavalry during the Civil War. He liked to tell the story of how he once acted as an escort of four soldiers accompanying Jefferson Davis the defeated Confederate leader from his place of capture to Washington. Papa's parents immigrated here from France, Buffalo, New York And he learned Brooklyn from Brad Washington. He still in the neighborhood to buy a plane he worked for. 
then he started snowboarding uh, as well. And my name is Mary Watson Lane. And my husband is William Harris Lane. And our tombstone is in Woodland Cemetery. I am Lucretia Wilson Norton. My husband was James Laird Norton. Our families lived near each other in Pennsylvania. Some were even cousins. Our ancestors came from Northern Ireland and got to Pennsylvania in the 1700s. In 1854, my husband, Wood, Lucretia's husband, James, and Matthew, their cousin, all came to Winona. And they had a business that they started, and they called it the Laird Norton Company. And it was the beginnings of a lumber company. Let me ask you a question. Does anyone here know how many trees were in Winona when it first started as a town? A thousand? Well, that's a good guess, but not correct. Does anyone else here care to venture a guess? 3,438 and one sapling. <laughs> also a nice guess, but not true. There was one. One tree. So when William, James, and Matthew, along with the humans and Hodgins, started their lumber business, there was a huge demand for building materials here and further west. We were in a prairie. There were no trees. Well, 1892, Winona could make claim to being the preeminent sawmilling center of the world. Trees were cut down up north where there were great forests, some of the best pine forests in the world, near rivers that flowed into the Mississippi. And these trees were cut into logs and the logs were assembled into big rafts. Some of these rafts were over 10 acres, mm -hmm. and steamboats would push them down the Mississippi River. Those were exciting times. However, Minnesota, Winona, Minnesota, had dirt streets, and oh, women walking <coughs> dirt streets oh, was terrible. So what would happen would be the wagons and the horses, they would stir up this dirt into horrible, thick mud and horse dung. <laughs> oh my. Well, we women with our long flowing skirts were certainly glad when wood plank sidewalks were installed. And so were our husbands because they supplied much of the lumber for this. Unfortunately, downtown Winona, the buildings were made out of wood, and there was a horrible fire in 1862. In fact, it was July 5th. Sound familiar? Fourth of July? Well, a firecracker set up the fire, and people call this the horrific terrible creature fire. And the fire was made worse by having wooden sidewalks. 
That just shows you how Stone and Rick are such good building products. <laughs> well, after the fire, many businesses and schools and organizations did build back more and more with stone and brick, which does resist fire better. <laughs> yes. And these, you know what, new sidewalks, they were awesome. Built out of something very special. Ripley's Believe It or Not told the story about a small town in Minnesota that had 30 miles of sidewalk made out of precious stone worth millions of dollars. And that not so little town is right here in Winona. Not long after arriving, Philip, then my future husband, and other new stone companies began mining when they discovered here in Winona County the most beautiful stone that was used in the Renaissance in Italy. Travertine, it's called. Why, even St. Peter's Basilica in Rome is made of the same stone. And the Colosseum in Rome is made of, is mostly made of travertine. And you know what? There was also, there's also churches down on Broadway that's also made partly out of travertine. The Methodist Church, with the help of the Norton's with their beautiful bell tower, and we Laird helped make the Congregational Church across the street. Yes, yes, including those, as well as part of our city hall, and the state capitol in St. Paul, and many other buildings. But if you want to go way, way back, our sidewalks are actually as much as 450 million years old. What? I thought one of them existed until the 1850s. Well, not the buildings as they look now, nor the sidewalks. The travertine stone itself was formed many years, millions of years before the earliest dinosaurs, when everything here was covered by a shallow sea. The stone was cut into large slabs, 12 by 4 feet, using huge saws operated by several men, then hauled in heavy, strong wagons pulled by at least four horses. Those beautiful stone sidewalks were replaced by cement. <laughs> but at least some of the buildings that our families helped make possible are still here all around us in Winona and the state capitol, and even beyond Minnesota. And with that, we ladies would like to thank you for coming and listening to our stories, and we want to bid you a fond adieu.
And thank all of you for coming this evening to uh, listen to us talk to you about furniture and funerals. <laughs> a little history for folks. A little history first, folks. In 1849, when the Minnesota Territory was created, logging was well underway due to the expanse of timber and the free-flowing transportation. Winona was said to be built by the logging industry. Winona is surrounded by woodlands, hard and soft timber, perfect for the furniture making industry. Why there's, there's red pine, there's white pine, there's, there's black spruce, there's maple, there's walnut. By 1902, the lumberjacks were felling almost two billion board feet of lumber a week. What, that's enough to circle the earth with a boardwalk 14 feet wide. Minnesota's forests looked inexhaustible to the loggers who came here. My father, an English cabinet maker by trade, came to America in 1848 and, well, started farming. And lost the farm. Well, afterwards he came here to Winona and went back to his original work. He opened a cabinetry and furniture shop. My mother started a successful greenhouse, and I guess you could say entrepreneurship runs in my blood. Oh, it certainly did, my dear. Well, folks were moving to Winona and building houses and needing furniture to fill them. In the 1890s, there were several furniture stores here in Winona. Let me see. There was Shock and Company. Yeah. Yep. There was Baker and Son. Right. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Um, there was oh. uh, Hilliard. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. There was John Okay. Yeah. And and then there was our shop. Brightwell Furniture Company. I opened Brightwell Furniture in 1901, and it was a roaring success, offering top quality merchandise from the best carpenters and cabinet makers. Otto and I had six children. Six. Now that's a lot of mouths to feed. So our business needed to be successful. I after I graduated from Winona High School, I went on to apprentice with my father at his store, and it became Hiller and Son, <laughs> providing the best furniture and cabinetry in southern Minnesota. Soon after George to come to my charms and married me, my family hailed from Brooklyn. Winona was quite a change from the hustle and bustle of New York. After my father passed away, I took away I took over the company business. His obituary read George Sr. was in the furniture business for 60 years, and his demise was sincerely mourned by an unnaturally large circle of friends. Unnaturally? Yeah, large too. <laughs> furniture was made primarily of wood. Chairs and settees were hard and stiff, not like that soft cushioning you people enjoy in all your modern furniture. Before long. We had to find a larger shop because we had wildly increasing sales. And so we moved our business to 219 East 3rd Street. The Hiller delivery wagon was a common sight on the streets of Winona. And word here in this museum that it's still here almost 150 years later. I told you all it would outlast all of us. That's Hiller craftsmanship for you. See, our shop contained the finest custom-made furniture in all the city. We had wardrobes and secretaries and cabinets and tables and beds and couches. <laughs> uh -huh. 
I don't think they know. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. You should tell them. You should tell them. Coffins! <laughs> now, what does furniture making have to do with coffins of which you sit upon now as we speak? Well, you see in the olden days. Well, before our day, funerals were conducted in the parlor. Families prepared the bodies themselves using a coffin built by the local cabinet maker. Embalming became widespread after the Civil War. A mortician would come to the house and embalm the body, usually in the kitchen. Hopefully the lunch is prepared elsewhere. <laughs> okay, so as villages turned into cities, homes became smaller, and there were less formal parlors, and therefore less home funerals. The furniture shops started adding viewing parlors, and as, as many of us were making coffins, we became embalmers, or Undertakers, that emotionally difficult task of preparing the body. Yeah. George and I studied embalming together. I remember when we went to the National Conference, the annual conference of undertakers up in Minneapolis, and we saw the most amazing demonstration. A cremation. No casket or coffin required. Oh, fascinating! But really bad for the coffin makers. That's uh, true. Well, well, undertaking often has adventures. Now, I remember one cold winter night that I ventured out in my sled in East Burns Valley to pick up a recently deceased body. On my way home, I heard the most ghostly howling coming from behind me. When I turned to look, there was a pack of wolves in opposite of my cargo. It chased me all the way back to an old home. If I remember correctly, a stiff brandy by the fireside eased that <laughs> As the logging industry waned and forestation began, many of the furnitures began supplying solely on funerals. A business with an abundant set of customers. What yes. <laughs> George taught undertaking classes and was often referred to as the father of the school of embalming. See here, from the Winona Republican Herald, January 4th, 1915. No more Minnesota residents will be buried alive, ma'am, while the University of Minnesota School of Embalming continues to provide the sake with undertakers. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> well, I took over the business for a few years. Because Otto passed away in 1914. Okay. The Brightwell Furniture Company became Burke's Furniture and Mortuary. And then, eventually, the Martin Funeral Home. I passed away at the young age of 27 of heart disease. George married, again, twice, to <laughs> Kathy and Sally. We're all here, keeping him company. <laughs> In 1923, I suffered a cerebral hemorrhage and, and died at work, doing the work I love. Afterwards, Hiller became the Fawcett Funeral Home, and well, well, we had a pretty good run, didn't we, dear? Yeah. 
you know, it's a lovely day for a stroll. And I think I see some of our neighbors over there. Yeah. Some of our neighbors? Yeah, absolutely. So we're the former customers to visit. Good day. Good day. And good day to all of you. Good day. Thanks again to the Winona County Historical Society for helping us bring you the 2023 Voices of the Past Cemetery Walk made in Winona. For more information about the Historical Society and the History Center Museum, go to winonahistory.org. To keep up on all things Winona and the surrounding area, tune into Culture Click, Thursdays at 1230 right here on 89.5 KQL. Or listen to past episodes of Culture Click on your favorite streaming services. Find links at kqal.org. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've just heard the conclusion of the 2023 Voices of the Past Cemetery Walk, made in Winona, today on Culture Click. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.